Welcome to the HU Pirate Ship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. It's free and anyone can join. Verified pirates are treated to inside information about HU and HU Athletics. I'm your host, Tariq, a.k.a. Big Reek from the HU Pirate Ship, and I'm a 2000 alum. We also have Hampton Knight from the HU Pirate Ship. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much, man. Just happy to be 6 and 5, you know. I mean, I know this sounds like mediocrity for the majority of uh, people, but uh, if you've been following Hampton's football program for the past 5 to 10 years, Six and five is seems mighty fine. Hell yeah, the, the arrow's going in the right direction. So we we we, we haven't been able to say that in the in a couple yes. years. So yeah, man. Kudos to, to Maynard and company. I mean, we got we had a winning season. Yep. And and I mean, we I did expect a winning season this year. I mean, I think six and five wasn't what we were expecting. I think we were kind of seeing. Like, Maybe eight and three or nine and two, but that was just basically, you know, I mean, extreme wistful thinking. You know, we still have some issues, you know, that weren't resolved, but we see the arrow trending upwards. So excited about that. Yep, very true, very true. So next, yeah, next week, you know, we're gonna do a, a full season in review. All the MIAC selections will be out, and the season will finally be finally be settled. So. We can dig through the whole thing and, and talk about MVPs and all that stuff and really review the season. So, but yeah, look at this in, at the in, in total at the end six and five is is a positive thing. So over five hundred heading in the right direction. So um, yeah, on this on this show we'll talk about their recent game about Savannah State, which they used to get to six and five. And then we'll talk about the MIAC results, MIAC contenders, the playoff races, pretty much between two teams, and we'll talk about that handicap that race. And then we'll talk about basketball results. So this week, actually, the men, or this past weekend, the men and women uh, kicked off their seasons, and we'll talk about uh, the results of those games. So full show. We'll jump right into it and talk about Savannah State. The Pirates get the win, 42-3. to uh, Big win for the Pirates. They finished 6-5. and five, The first, six, uh, first winning season since uh, 2011. And uh, they finished the, the season on a good run the past two weeks, uh, they won by a combined score of seventy-five to three. So, I don't care who you're playing when you when you put two games back to back like that. It's a good, strong finish by the team. Um, this game against Savannah State was never really a. It was really. It was never in doubt. Um, I think if they uh, played ten times, uh, we probably won that game ten times. But I would have to say though, I was impressed and you know surprised by what I saw from Savannah State. I'm surprised the game wasn't closer. But, uh, I mean, it seems like they're starting to put together a, a little program there. I mean, the guys looked a lot better than what they normally looked in the past couple of years. So I'm surprised the game wasn't more competitive, but uh, we still um, got the big W. So, as usual, we'll go through the good and bad and, and uh, everything in between. A lot of good uh, good things to talk about after a 42-3 win. So, I mean, the good was uh, it was complete domination. The game was never really close or in doubt. Actually, I, I, I dozed off a couple of times watching it. <laughs> but, uh, it was, uh, wasn't much. Uh, it was never in doubt. So it was a good run, good game by the Pirates. Uh, we outgained them by over 200 yards, 389 yards to 173 yards. Defense dominated again, which is still my story of the year. They had uh, three interceptions, four forced fumbles, Three sacks. It was just a total uh, defensive effort, so that quarterback never really got comfortable and never did anything, never really threatened. 
Um, the offense, uh, the offense was, was stellar as well. Watford was 17 of 30 for 264 yards and four touchdowns. That uh, performance earned him MIAC Player of the Week. And uh, T.J. Mixon, you know, he was back. He had nine catches for 172, 172 yards and one touchdown. And also Saquon Gooding, uh, he finished up strong with five catches uh, for 75 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, I, I kind of have a, a good eye for some of these things. I would not be surprised if Saquon Gooding made it in somebody's training camp. I'm not saying he will make the team or anything, but, you know. Practice squad type yeah, of guy. Something, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a sleeper, man. I mean, he's he's really good. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he you know, continues to play, uh, at least in some capacity on someone's uh, professional team, arena league, football, you know, NFL, Canadian, something. But he, he's got some skills that – I think somebody's going to pick up on. And uh, Dukes and Garrett, uh, they ran the ball well. Um, between them, they averaged five yards a carry. So, I mean, it was complete complete domination, both sides of the ball. So, any anything else, uh, Hampton Knight, to really point out there? Um, I David Walker did throw four touchdown passes, so I think his total was, what, 21 or 22 touchdown passes for the year. Um, he bought I mean, for his last collegiate game, he looked, he, was like, he looked totally in control. And I think that that what we just saw is a kind of major offense. Now, I know it was against uh, Savannah State, but I had to give Savannah State credit, too. I mean, Ernest Wilson actually has his program turning in the right direction. I know his, I know his record to date does not manifest that. It does not say that. But his players look extremely uh, fit. You know, they look like they were, they looked different from the previous teams that we've been seeing from Savannah State. And their defense basically just got tired because their offense just wasn't able to figure it out. But, I mean, just a total team effort. It was an excellent uh, game for David Watford, you know. Miak player of the week, you know. Then you have T.J. Mixon, nine catches for 172 yards and one touchdown. I mean, that was that was an awesome game. That was a complete game. There three interceptions. I mean, you could not ask for anything more. Yep, oh, right on, right on. Yeah, perfect, perfect way to end the season and uh, finish on a high note. You know, there were a couple bad things I think we can point out. Uh, and it's pretty much the same song we've been singing all season. So the, a muff pun actually led to the Savannah State three points. So it was like a gift, right? Uh, I forgot what he got. It was pretty close. So without that muff pun, it would have been a shutout. They were never close to threatening um, offensively. So, yeah, the muff pun led to the three points. They would have gotten another shutout, but they missed that. Uh, also, again, nine penalties for 97 yards. It's just what we do. And then also had three turnovers and, and lost uh, two fumbles. So uh, we're a little bit careless, uh, again, in a disciplined area. So hopefully that'll be – I don't know how you work on that during the off season, but there has to be some point of emphasis to make the guys focus and pay attention. So uh, nothing else really to harp on. Um, uh, good, strong finish. Any, any, anything bad uh, to mention? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head when you talked about the special teams. You know, we did have another black punt. Um, 
Wait, did we get the block or they? I, I know there was a muff, but what, did we actually get one blocked or they? Oh, oh no 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 no! You're right. It was muff. It was muff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was, but, did I miss? <laughs> I mean, I don't think we've had one special team, uh, one game without a special teams blunder. So, of course, that was uh, a point of um, of irritation. Uh, of course, the penalties are a concern, but you know it's kind of something that you come to expect. And, uh, and the, the turnovers that you know you used to with uh, when you have a high-powered offense um, like what Maynard puts out, then those turnovers really don't matter because you know you can probably make those points back up. And that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, a forty-two to three up three score, you know, it's pretty much nothing bad, but. That's all that I could think of. Yeah, that's it, man. Yep. <laughs> There's always room for improvement, but, yeah, that kind of score, you just got to take the W. So uh, that's cool, man. So, yeah, that's a pretty good game. Again, strong finish for the team, 6-5. and five. I can't wait to really break down the season uh, uh, next week on the, on the uh, podcast. So uh, let's talk about the uh, MEAC scoreboard. No shockers. There were some close games, closer than what the, the uh, scoreboard showed. Uh, Morgan State beat uh, Florida A&M 21 to 7. North Carolina Central beat Howard 41 to 6. North Carolina A&T beat Delaware State 27 to 6. But that game was a lot closer than what that score indicated. I'm not sure if it's uh, A&T just getting a little bit tired or they're getting everyone's best. But that game was close and more competitive than what people would have imagined for the uh, potential MEAC champ. Um, uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, it seems like even when they're a little bit uh, limited on offense and some of the things they do is their discipline that usually wins out. And I think that helped them to get this victory over Delaware State this week. Um, of course, we beat Savannah State 42-3, to and South Carolina State beat Norfolk State 17-10. to So that's our MEAC scoreboard for the week. And uh, we'll jump right into the MEAC standings and contenders. So let's go down the line. In first place at 7-0 and is North Carolina A&T. Now, um, they're 9-1. and um, It looks like they're in pole position to actually win the uh, MEAC, win the outright uh, MEAC championship. Um, let's see, if they win. And actually, um, this week they actually ranked uh, pretty high in a couple coaches' polls, somewhere between 15 and 13 as far as FT- FCS teams are concerned. Only losses to UNC. Their final game is this weekend against North Carolina Central. So, I mean, that's whoever. You can't ask for anything more as far as, like, a final game of the season. So, um, if they win this game, uh, they're off to the Celebration Bowl. If they lose this game, they might get an at-large bid. And depending on the tiebreaker scenario, they could still win the conference and go to the Celebration Bowl. Uh, But who knows? I mean, if they win, they go to Celebration Bowl, and there's really no other questions. Uh, but it's going to be a struggle against Central. I mean, Central's good. Um, but And I think A&T wins in a close game um, because they finish strong. But, uh, yeah, they, they, everything is in their, in their control. They win, and they're off to Atlanta. So what, what are your thoughts on A&T's chances, man, of, of getting to Atlanta? Oh, I, um, I'll say this. Um, Coach Jerry Mack um, over at North Carolina Central is not going to make it easy for uh, Coach Rod Broadway. I think, and if you go back to the last score where they just played uh, Delaware State, which hasn't won a game in the MEAC, 
North Carolina A&T's offense is abominable. It's atrocious. It is they cannot move the ball whatsoever. Um, they, I mean, they have the best player in the MEAC, but I mean, you can't get the ball. Uh, let's say on a hundred percent of the time, you're gonna have to give, share the ball um, in other places, you know. And I did say I did see Jay Walker at the airport Saturday night. And I asked him about the uh, A&T game, and he says basically it's showcase, you know, for Tariq uh, Cohen, just saying that because he's the best player in the year. And, you know, that offense just runs around him, runs through him. And so North Carolina Central, you know, they do have a tough test, but he's only one guy. And you could spy and put a spy on him all day, you know, and – I really think that this game could be closer than what we think, and and AFC might not win the MEAC based upon this game. But I mean, if you ask me, the MEAC title is important, you know, from Rod Broadway. But I would not care if we. I mean, I would care, but if we did, if AFC did lose, you know, they're going to get a, a bid to play in the playoffs. And I mean, I don't want to throw shade at the Celebration Bowl, but I mean, the chance to get a national title, you know, as compared to the Celebration Bowl, mm, you know, but that's another, that's, a, that's another thing that, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, next week. No, but let's, 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 because yeah. once we find out who's going, yeah, we can yeah. really get into it next week. Definitely. Yeah. So, no, so just to wrap that up, I'll just say it's going to be a closer game because North Carolina Central does have an offense that can pretty much move. You know, they can move the ball somewhat. They're not as talented as, I would say, a Hampton, you know. Hampton, I think, had one of the, the biggest offenses this year. But I do think that A&T's defense is that, is, is that stout to keep Central in this place. I think A&T would eke out a win against Central, but I would not be surprised if Central just blows them out. Yeah. But I don't I – don't, I don't see that happening because I think this game is where in um, Greensboro, correct? That's correct. Oh, no. You ain't being guaranteed in Greensboro. But it would be a close game. I think A&T probably wins uh, close 17-14. Yeah, that's a good score. And like you said, I would not be surprised either way. I mean, remember last year, all A&T had to do was win, and they yep. win the championship, and they lost. Uh, it was a big yep. fumble. I think by Tariq yeah. Cohen, I was at that game, and I saw that fumble, yeah. and uh, that hurt him. So he's he's going to be looking to avenge that. But I think this is going to be – I mean, whoever – every now and then the schedule is right, everything is aligned. I mean, you've got two of the biggest rivals in the MEAC playing for first place at the end of the season. I know it's early in the week, but it's looked like it's going to be a nice sunny day. I mean, it's um, can't get any better than that. So – that's going to be a great game, and I'm expecting A&T to find a way to pull it out because they're just that uh, well-disciplined of a team. So it should be good. It should be a good one. It will be a good game, actually. That'd be a great absolutely. Yep. And if Jay, if if Jay Walker wanted to showcase the game, this would be the best game that ES, um, ESPNU could have uh, broadcast. You know, I mean. A&T and Central, that's a rivalry game in Greensboro. Man, you're going to have a packed stadium. The band's going to be there. I mean, oh yeah, man, it's going to be crazy, man, crazy. So, and two fan bases who hate each other. Yep. Now, I don't think their hate is just as bad as uh, Winston-Salem hate, 
um, got some Salem and and antique, but it's pretty bad. Oh, it's close. It's close, man. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I do close. remember, I do remember that fight that happened in Greensboro between uh, Central and Antique, and that was a slugfest. Yeah, man. It's it, it, the hatred is close. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just for our fans, I mean, I guess it's on. A, it is. It's more on a level of Hampton and Norfolk State. The hatred. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, Hampton that's and bad. Howard, it's a mutual dislike. But yeah. Hampton and yeah. Norfolk State's a whole nother level of hatred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got, I mean, I told Spartan, Spartan is, Spartan Ghost, and Punchy and all those guys, like how I got robbed over there <laughs> going to an NSU game. You should. <laughs> I mean, but it had nothing to do with NSU. It's just, you know. Maybe it did. You know? It probably did, though. <laughs> it, was probably one, it was probably one of the guys on me at fans, you know. He probably had, <laughs> probably had to feed his habit. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, we love the Spartans, but, man. Yeah. I, I love them. I love the Spartans when, when I ask for more fries with my order. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that was half the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, it. "Come at me, bro." <laughs> That's right. Cool, man. Let's let's move on. Uh, the next contender is Bethune Cookman. So I guess the best they can do is get a a. Uh, let's see. Let's let's talk about their 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 uh, record. They're six and one uh, in the conference and eight and two overall. Um, they're also ranked in top 25 in most of the polls. A couple of them, one of the one I saw I had them out, but usually they're around 22, 23 in the FCS polls. Uh, all of the uh, playoff prognostications that I've seen have them in the playoffs, uh, playing uh, one of the uh, the uh, South Carolina teams. Um, let's see, their losses were to Miami and A and T. Um, so no matter what. Um, they will have a share of per- first place with uh, North Carolina A&T. So they can't win the conference, it uh, looks like. Um, so, But if they win and they get a nice big win over uh, FAMU, they should receive that at-large bid um, to the uh, to the actual playoffs. But they, it does not look like they'll be making it to the Celebration Bowl. Um, so actually, um, they but they do want to root for North Carolina A&T so they can at least get a share of the MEAC crown. Um, if they, Absolutely. Yeah, if they lose this game, man, their season's over. They're not going to any playoffs. They're not going to the Celebration Bowl anywhere. So they've got to beat their big rival in the Florida Classic, who's actually down. So given their need for style points and the fact that it's a rivalry, uh, I'm expecting a blowout. Big time. You know what? I'm expecting something worse than a blowout. I mean, let's oh, – Florida and m Oh, God. I mean – we saw them up close. Yes, Carson Royal, Kent, uh, Kent Coleman. I mean, I hate to call. I mean, I'm not calling these. You know, these kids work hard. They work their butts off to 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 be student athletes. But and it's not on them. That team just isn't. Is they're just that you, you're talking about. Some, you have Joe Taylor's players, Earl Holmes players, and now you got. Uh, Alex Holt, uh, Alex Woods, uh, new players. And, you know, it's just a hodgepodge of three different philosophies. You're going to have to, I mean, you can't win that way. So I just think that uh, but Bill Cookman, which is now clicking on all fours and all cylinders, 
you know, I mean, I think they're really going to run up the score, you know, on uh, FAMU. And I would be surprised. I mean, I know it's a rivalry game. I know FAMU would be stoked. You know, they'd be somewhat uh, ready to take on the film cookman. They might be close initially in the first quarter. But I'm expecting by the time it's by the time that that scoreboard hits zero, we'll probably see uh, oh God, man. You might see a fifty score up there, you know? I'm thinking I mean, but, I'm thinking fifty six. Yeah, it could be fifty six, but uh, I'm sure Al um Wood will probably make FAMU run the ball continuously just to take time off the clock. So it could be a little less than that, but you know, I do expect to see that score in the 40s and 50s. But, hey, you know, I mean, I think Joe Taylor did have that year where they did beat Bethune Cookman and want to share the MEAC title. So, I mean, you never know. That's true. That's that, what they said. That's why they play the games. Absolutely. But uh, if, if, if Bethune does what they're supposed to do and if family oh. plays the way we've seen them play, it's going to be nasty. Absolutely. So that's 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 the prediction. Whatever I'm, I'm predicting, some nasty for that game, and Fatoon uh, Cookman should uh, win win big and get that at large bid. And the uh, final contender is uh, North Carolina Central, which you know um, their only loss in conference is to Fatoon uh, Cookman. Uh, let's see, they are yeah six and one in conference, seven and three overall. Um, other two losses were to uh, BCS schools. Um, they're, of course, at A&T. And um, so if North Carolina Central wins this game and somehow FAMU wins their game, we got a three-way tie for first place in the MEAC. Um, so you got – that would be uh, North Carolina A&T at 7-1, uh, Bethune-Cookman at 7-1, and and North Carolina Central at 7-1. and And they all kind of beat each other. So I don't know what the tiebreaker scenario would be, but that ain't happening. So – since uh, I'm predicting that A&T is going to win, Central will miss out on everything, and they'll just have a great season and finish at six and two. Um, and I don't think they are—I don't think they were receiving that large bid um, because they lost to the two top teams in the MEAC. Um, so yeah. their, their season will be over. Um, but it'll be competitive, man. What, what do you think? How do you? What do you think uh, about Central's chances and season this year? Oh, well, you know what? Central, I think everybody kind of had a dark horse favorite. Um, I, I do think they have the, they actually have the pieces to to make a serious run in the MEAC. Um, I just think that they did not have the defense that A&T has. Or, you know, they might not have the, the speed receiver to put them over the top. But, I mean... I mean, that program is trending up. I mean, a lot of programs are trending up in the MEAC, uh, and they're pretty much the top one right now. That A&T and, of course, the boom. And, and you, know, you always have South Carolina State in the mix as well. So, no, I, I think as far as their playoff chances, I think their playoff chances are pretty much done or remote. But I think for the next couple of years, you know, they're always going to be in that conversation for, you know, MEAC supremacy. That's true. Agreed. I, they just need they need that one dude. They need a, yeah. they need a Tariq Cohen. They need a TJ Mixon. They need 
that dude that you can't stop no matter what. You know, you can gain one. If they get that, yeah, then they'll be over the top. But uh, I won't. I won't go. I won't get too giddy over their demise because I would not be shocked if they beat A and T. But I, I, I do expect them to lose. So, given those scenarios, um, I expect A and T. We're expecting A and T to win and get to the Celebration Bowl, and then be uh, Bethune Cookman to win and get in that large bid. Wouldn't that be something if both teams are still playing in December? Oh, that would be beyond something. I mean, <laughs> that would be something excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yep, that would be crazy. So, yeah, next week, man, the season will be over. We'll know everything, who's going where, who won the MEAC selections. I have all the stats tallied up, and we'll do a complete football review uh, next week on the podcast. So I can't wait to do that next week. So that uh, ties up our football discussion for this game. So we'll jump right into basketball. Uh, men and women, women both kicked off their seasons this past weekend. The men lose to Winthrop, one hundred two to ninety five. Uh, they got down early, um, early in the first half, but they did fight back, and I think they got to within one point in the second half. Um, one notable thing, and then I would like to get your thoughts on this whole game here tonight, is is Presley. Um, there are some other good stats in the game, but Presley fouled out. Looks like he had five fouls, and we need him. And one thing that he did a lot last year was just commit a lot of crazy fouls and not have a lot of awareness at times. So, But he's talented, but we got to keep him in the game. So I want to see him, you know, continue or, you know, work on, um, you know, staying eligible so we can have him down the stretch. Um, but that was my only real notable thing. I mean, I'm, I'm – I'm not uh, still wondering what about Winthrop. <laughs> you know, they, we lose this game. It's just not uh, – I, I don't really know what to make of it. It's early, early in the season. You can't really put too much on it. Uh, but certainly a winnable game. So, But uh, what, what's your thoughts on this game here tonight? Uh, it's definitely a winnable game. I mean, I've seen – we've seen Winthrop every now and then at the tournament and the big dance, you know, they're, they're pretty much like a, they're similar to us, a 16th seed or a play-in team, you know. But I think that with, you would think that with the momentum we had from last year that it would have carried over into this year. And, I mean, I know it's just the first game of the season, but um, if you look at the stats, you know, we gave up 60 points for the first half and another 42 the second half. You know, that's just, I mean, that's not indicative of the team that we had last year. We had a pretty much stout defensive team, and they were pretty much – they played together offensively as well. But we can also say that, you know, the absence of Dwight Meikle, you know, definitely hurts um, our starting lineup, and it also hurts, you know, our rotation. And uh, Javon Presley not, you know – I mean, shooting, like, uh, one for five, you know, and then getting myself into foul trouble, you know, that is just not indicative of the team that we expect this year. I know it's early. I know it's just one game, but they, I think Joyner kind of has to rethink, you know, I guess his, his, his game preparation so far. But it's one game. It's against Winthrop. But I'm hoping in the next five games, five, six games, we can seek out a win with, any of these teams. I know against the larger Division One pro- opponents, we probably won't see that. But, you know, with the team that's pretty much on the same caliber as Hampton, I think that we should be able to, 
be competitive or if not win the game. Agreed. Yep. Yep. They got those beat down games coming, but next couple games was like American, I think maybe William and Mary. So they're going to be playing teams like that where they can definitely get a W if they just play smart. We've seen them do that in the past. So hopefully that will happen. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. And we're just one, the most impressive stat line, I guess, from this game would be uh Chivas. So he, maybe he's on a mission this year, but he, uh, he had a uh, 29 points and 23 rebounds. So that was a very a, an impressive effort by him um, to uh, start off the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And the uh, ladies, uh, the women, they lost to uh, Iowa State, 95 to 59. So no shocker there. Um, but they were down at one at the end of the first quarter. So uh, the game was competitive early on. They probably didn't know how to handle the defense that the ladies were throwing at uh, throwing at them, the Lady Pirates were throwing at them. But once they adjusted and started to use their height, I think we've seen that formula over time, use their height and use the things they have to advantage, work the inside-out game because they're going to be taller than us because they just have bigger, um, you know, athletes. Um, they actually wear us down. But a good strong start for the uh, Lady Pirates against uh, Iowa State. Just couldn't pull it out. Uh, Malia Tate, the Freitas, though, she had 21 points. And she was five for seven from three pointers, so that's pretty impressive. And that uh, actually earned her MIAC Player of the Week for that effort. And um, someone else who uh, actually, you know, um, was surprised by was uh, Ariana Davis. She had 12 points. Uh, I think she was second on the team in scoring. She had 12 points. So we're going to be looking for someone else to pick up the slack when uh, uh, Malia, you know, needs some help or is having a down night. So hopefully she can help pick up that slack. So. Uh, pretty much it from that game. Any other thoughts on the ladies as they start the season? Uh, you know what? I mean, they really played Iowa State very competitively, competitively the very first half. And, you know, I think, of course, when you're dealing with a team like uh, uh, a Scout Division One program, you're going to see, you know, the player, you see the size difference. You see, I mean, if you like, I'll say Iowa State. If you look at their roster, they have a, a many women that are over six foot three, six foot four, some even at six foot seven. I mean, that is extremely hard to to uh, play against if the majority of your players are in the five foot five to six two range. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, I I mean, I'm extremely happy with you know having Malia Tate to Freitas, and of course. You know we have uh, we have of course Ryan Jordan on the squad and Chris um, Christine Rose, but I am a little bit uh, melancholy by you know not seeing uh, Taylor Pate on the roster, and she was the six foot four uh, centerpiece that we needed. You know I think that would have actually uh, been a more of a defensive piece or a defensive chess piece for uh, Coach David Six, but you know. I mean, because I've never really had a player of of size, you know, of height, you know. I mean, I know we do have a, a six foot three uh, uh, center on the roster, but I mean, we, I mean, we, we always playing small ball, and I mean, it's great against the Miac, but when you're when you're playing against big boy teams, you know, it, I mean, they will get tired of it, then they will adjust to it. And I think that's what happens when we play teams like Iowa State. Yeah, agreed. You know, and they've got some some more 
um, interesting tests coming up. You know, but they've interesting enough though. They've had some 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 successes against these teams over the years. Uh, they've beat a couple of these uh, power conference teams. So some teams haven't uh, done well to that adjusting to that blitzkrieg that they put out there. But uh, every now and then, when they do, it's just the same story. You know, they work the inside and out. They'll get the six four, sometimes six five. Uh, girls down on the block and they'll start hitting and they'll kick it out and then their shooters will be wide open and then then it's it. <laughs> so we, yeah. we got to get some size and play that same game. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, like they normally do, they're going to steal one of these games, one of these games on this crazy West Coast trip they're at. They're actually, I think, playing as we speak. Uh, I forgot who they're playing. They're going to steal one of these games. And, uh, you know, we'll be here to talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I mean, the women's teams have been labeled giant killers, you know, for years. So, <laughs> so yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely, uh, they will probably knock off a few teams. I mean, just like we did, we beat LSU at home in our own, uh, in our own convocation center. So, you know, I'm sure that there will be a few of them already, you know, a few of them this year. So, I mean, I think that, Coming up, we'll start to see these type of games. I mean, we might not catch it until later in the year, but we'll, Davis Six will engineer, I would say, a few of those type of games. Yep, agreed, agreed. So, but uh, yeah, man, I think that's it for me on this show. You got anything else to add, man? It's been a good show. Oh, uh, you know what, man? I just, I just like to send a shout out to all the coaches over at, uh, I mean, all the the football team, you know. Uh, Coach Connell Rayner and the staff, you know, they really uh, did a uh, good job in trending the program upward. I know it was a pretty tough job, you know, after the previous regime. But, you know, they got the program moving, you know. I mean, there are some players there that I'm really impressed with, you know, and I cannot wait to see next year. You know, of course, there's Eric Carter Jr., then you got T.J. Nixon, then you go on defense, you got Obasuli. And uh, man, the whole secondary oh. is going to be stacked. I mean, that, yeah, that's the whole be, yeah, man, that's going to be dominant. Absolutely, absolutely, and and so I'm just. I mean, I really am excited to see what the program could do next year, and I think our fans will get excited once they see another winning season next year. And I'm excited about, of course, um, both basketball programs. You know, and I mean. I know that, you know, we can always talk about the times where we had Murfield and and uh <laughs> and Bobby Collins was here doing this thing and of course uh Patricia Bibbs mm-hmm. but now but now we got David Six and David Six is the man and and you got Joyner who, you know, has had some tournament success and we're I mean, I'm excited to see what happens this year. So, you know. I'm happy. Go Pirates. Yep, go Pirates. And we'll be here to talk about it. So <laughs> we'll be the first. We'll be the first to to let you know what's going on with the Pirates, so, man. But, uh, hey, one thing I forgot to mention, one, and we could talk about this next week in detail, but who in the heck, I guess it's just a fluke, but how do you schedule a bye in the last week of the season? Oh, that had you know been, what? It had to have been a fluke. No one does that on purpose, right? <laughs> now, this, now, exactly. And we talked about this, too, uh, where we said where the teammate didn't get that one by. They're probably exhausted. But my thing is, does the MEAC conference do the scheduling, or is this 
something that um, is in conjunction with our coaching staff and the MEAC conference? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, there is no way they set out for this schedule, so somebody somewhere dropped the ball, backed, yeah. backed out of something, you know, something yeah. along those lines. Absolutely, because if you think about it, I mean, we should have had a bye probably after the third or fourth week, Yeah, you know. And um, I'll just say this too. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that the MEAC conference probably did the MEAC scheduling, but they did not take in um, taking the fact that we should have had a bye week after that time. And I think that was, I think whoever it is, it's Dennis Thomas. You know, then he definitely dropped the ball, and you know, I have no problem saying that. So, yeah, but that's pretty much it. Yep, agreed. Yep, that's my last beef for this week. But yeah, man, thanks a lot, man, and uh, we'll be back next week. Go Pirates! Go Pirates!